Ladies and gentlemen, now it's too late with Alan Mosley. Guys, welcome back for another episode of It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by the number one producer in late night. It's Sherry Voluntary. Sherry, how are you doing? I'm alive tonight. It's been it's been one heck of a day, Alan. It's been one week since you looked at me. <laughs> one week since you. And that's a great song. I like bare naked ladies. Um, it's really not. <laughs> I like it. So anyway, saw in the news right before we got to record this week. I would like to think our last week's episode played some small part <laughs> in Governor Andrew Cuomo resigning as governor of New York. Do we have a picture of Cuomo? Yeah, there he is right there. <laughs> Andrew Cuomo's reign of terror is over. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit before is that, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him to resign. Uh, I mean, rightfully so, but there was a lot of pressure from his side of the political aisle, right? Like there was, right. you had uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York City. You had uh, President Biden was saying that he should resign. There was all manner of representatives and senators that saying he should resign. And so, I mean, you can definitely say that this is like the political end of Andrew Cuomo. I don't, I don't, I don't think we're going to see any more of him anytime right. soon. All the but other it rapists also, said he should resign. <laughs> yeah, all the other rapists said that he should resign. <laughs> but the thing is, though, is he was really resolute to not resign until he did. And he wouldn't be the first one to ever do that. Mm -hmm. But it also made me think, I think that there was probably someone behind the scenes that told him that if you don't want to get Epstein, you better, you better be leaving office because it's going to be for the good of the party. And sure enough, Sherry, do you know what today is the anniversary of today is the anniversary of when they found Jeffrey Epstein dead August 10th. Ooh, is it? Yes, I know. I can't like it isn't that isn't it like a weird coincidence that it fell down like that? Yes, you know, you're going to have a bunch of uh the the like conspiracy people on YouTube that make videos connecting weird things. They're going to be saying this is some kind of cult significance for these people. I mean, I can yep. just I can hear it yep. now. Well, speaking of a random coincidence, this is all also today is the birthday of the official fiance of It's Too Late with Alan Mosley, <sighs> our dear AK. This is her birthday. She she turned Aww. 20, 26 years young. I get, I, I say, you know, she's not handling it particularly well. I gotta, mm. I gotta tell on her, but mm. this is her birthday. And she's also a really big fan of the show friends. And mm. wouldn't you know it on the same day of her birthday, there's these rumors coming out from the celebrity Twitter sphere that actors, David Schwimmer and Jennifer Aniston are reportedly dating. <laughs> Ross and Rachel from the show apparently have now hooked up in real life. Do we have a picture of Ross and Rachel? Yeah, there they are. <laughs> Ross and Rachel are apparently now dating IRL. Wow. Were you were you a big fan of the show Friends, Sherry? I I, I wasn't a huge fan. Like I I watched it some, and I've I've watched it more since it's been off the air. But I, yeah, I wasn't. It wasn't a weekly viewing thing for me. I was too busy, you know, in the cult at that point. So. I, I just, I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you can hear me, the shows, <laughs> the shows Friends and Gilmore Girls are just awful. <laughs> I know who you're talking to. <laughs> just awful. Yeah. I'll tell you what else is just awful. Disney has opened up a brand new luxury hotel. It's called the Disney Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel. Take a look at this. The Disney Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel, but the prices have been released. 
I want I want to read a little bit for for this for you, Sherry, because this is okay. this is where we're sending you. You won the prize. This is where we're <laughs> going to send you and oh. one guest. Oh boy! It's it's a two night experience. So so this package is for basically a two night stay at a hotel. Right. That costs you four thousand eight hundred and nine dollars. So almost $5,000 for a two-night stay at a hotel for, for two adults. If you yes. add any children, it bumps up to over $5,000. Um, if, if there's as many as four people in the room, it's $6,000 for a two-night experience at wow. the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel. All the privileged are going to love this. <laughs> well, it, you know, it got me to thinking that you know a lot of people – and rightfully so, criticize Disney for what a terrible job they've done with the Star Wars IP since taking it over, and and the new the Disney trilogy on in movies was just atrocious. Mm -hmm. And 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 I really like. I hope that this is like the death knell for them. I hope this thing oh, just crashes and burns, and it couldn't happen to nicer people. But they actually have in the article right here that now that price does include you know, a bunch of stuff. Like, it includes your food, but it, it includes beverages, but only non-alcoholic beverages. And it says here in the article, you know, for $5,000 for accommodations for two guests in a studio, you know, they could have thrown in a space beer or two. And that got me to thinking, we should do that. What what would you expect to get for a $5,000 stay at the Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel? Um I'll, I'll, I'll start. I would expect okay. for them to take me to a galaxy far, far away. What do you, what about you, Sherry? <laughs> uh, I think, you know, for that kind of money, they could have the cantina band come and play lofty neck to me personally. Okay. That makes sense. I, um, I think for $5,000, they should really be igniting my lightsaber. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, I think that they should, for $5,000, they should be able to keep out those pesky sand people. <laughs> Fucking dingers, am I right? <laughs> so, like that one. <laughs> for for five for five thousand uh, dollars, boy, our guest tonight's gonna say I I really shouldn't have appeared on this show. <laughs> this was a mistake. <laughs> uh, for five thousand dollars, I think that I should be getting a dance from my own Twilight Girl, if you know what I mean. Oh oh yeah, and mm. I I think for five thousand dollars a night, I should be able to make the Kessel Run in one parsec. I think, I think we shouldn't do this anymore. Yeah. I think that I think that we'll end on that. <laughs> Our fun has been had. Um, speaking of, speaking of dingers, this actually comes from our good our good friend Will Porter. Now, Will Porter was on the show just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, writes for the Libertarian Institute. Writes for RT. And one of the articles he shared the other night was, "It's Dinger." Colorado Rockies say fan yelled name of mascot after team and league accuse him of hurling <laughs> racial slur at player. Now, why don't you take a look at that picture there on the left? That's the mascot for the Colorado Rockies. His name is Dinger. 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 Goddamn dingers. <laughs> so... Now, something that happens a lot nowadays in these ballparks, because, like, look, taunting and heckling of players and officials has been yeah. a part of sports basically forever. Forever. That's a part of sports. Yeah. But what, what actually happened was is that the fan in the stand was yelling to try to get Dinger's attention. But <laughs> the people on the field thought that he was yelling a different word. And so they were going to throw him out and ban him from the park. <laughs> until they realize, no, actual evidence does show that he was yelling dinger. 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 
dinger. <laughs> Goddamn dingers, am I right, Sherry? So that actually reminded me, before we take our first break, uh, I'm going to tell a little <laughs> anecdote from my past. Now, I have never Can been one. With Uncle Alan? I have never been one to attend a sporting event and yell anything uncouth <laughs> at the young men playing the game or the officials. But okay. I've certainly known people who have. So, <laughs> back when I was in school, uh, I went to Columbia Central High School here in Middle Tennessee. And in, in our little district or whatever, we were playing basketball against Lawrence County. And we were we were on the road. We got the, the student section together. We went on the road to see the team play at Lawrence County. Now, for people who are not familiar with this area, that that's out in the sticks. Mm, Backwards white folks. The the ba the overwhelming majority of the opposing fans section and officials and all of the opposing team were a very sh bright shade of cream <laughs> was the color of their skin. Now, our team, because we were actually good, our team was all young African-American fellows. And so I had this friend named named Mark. I'm not going to say his real name, so we're just going to call him Mark. And he had this really great bit where he would scream, and, and I'm quoting Mark, get, get them dingers off the court. <laughs> now, this was extra funny because, of course, our team was the only one that had any dingers to get off the court. The other team didn't even have any dingers. But what happened was is that at this particular moment on this particular night when we were playing against this particular team and their fans who all were racially homogenous, it got very quiet in the in the there was a break in the in the action and it got very quiet in the gymnasium right as he yelled it <laughs> and you could hear a pin drop <laughs> everybody in the froze gym. in their place what and what did and what did mark and by the way mark was also black oh <laughs> so so he could get away with this little joke you know right right what happened do you think when he screamed out this phrase in a perfectly quiet gymnasium <laughs> Everyone on everyone, the entire opposing side of the bleachers, <laughs> the players, the officials, everyone immediately darts over and looks at our student section. Right. And what does Mark do? Mark pulls a Homer Simpson. He just, right. just disappears. <laughs> just 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 and fade I, away. I just disappear here. into the never saw or heard from Mark ever again. Right. <laughs> <sighs> fucking fucking dingers, Sherry. <laughs> no, Guys. We're going to be back. I got through that whole segment without saying the wrong actual word. That's good. <laughs> that That's is so good. good. <laughs> that is good. Guys, we're going to be back with the meme of the week in the viewer mail right after this break. Don't go away. Sherry, have you ever known any dingers? <laughs> uh, no, and I even lived in Colorado. 
Home of the Dingers. <laughs> hey, Sherry. Yeah. What time is it? Meme of the week. It's the anniversary of Jeffrey Epstein. Our our Zoomer fans may not get this one. Yeah, I I love the throwbacks you're doing. That that's pretty good. That's pretty I like good. it. Yeah. For for people who are not in the know, all you got to do is Google John Denver. Yeah. And that, Mountain and then you're Mama. Know. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn Mountain Mamas. Anyway. <laughs> uh. So, but we we do have a bonus meme this week. Check out the bonus meme. There's oh. Ross and Rachel. <laughs> and America looking on. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Looking on with anticipation. Oh. <laughs> that was that one was a little bit subversive. That's Guys, little... if you don't understand that one, just Google Prince Andrew Rapist. Mm. There you mm. go. There um go. on that note, let's answer some viewer mail. I love that sound. Yeah, so good. In the old days. Our first question comes from Clay Davis, who writes, Dear Alan and Sherry, if your dream, if you dream to build an anarchist community were ever to come true, how do you envision it? What would it look like? Who do you like to share the community with? What would be necessary to ensure it's self-sustaining and <laughs> off-grid? What would it take? When do we start? First of all, Clay, that's like nine questions. Right. First of all. It's, Thanks a lot, but, Clay. So I'm just, Clay, I'm just going to give you one answer of, <laughs> of how would it come to be? How do you, so that's the one that we'll answer. How does it, how do you come to be? Um, this is what we do, Clay. We get, we get all of our, all of our spectrum babies together mm. into, into one group <laughs> and, babies. and, and we all, we all settle up and we all move to a new area. And yeah. then what you do when you get there is you kill the indigenous population. Oh God! Well, I mean, what? Right, all, kill that, all the dingers and sand people. Is that what you're saying, Alan? Has that has that not always been the tried and true method, Sherry? I, yes, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I notice how I notice how you won't put yourself on screen for this one. You you've distanced yeah. yourself from me. I, I, I'm pulling a Homer Simpson right now. All right. <laughs> Lyle Durio writes, "Dear Alan and Sherry." Did you ever have a pair of pumped up kicks? So I actually oh, wow. never did have a pair of pumped up kicks because that's like what rich people had. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, same. But 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 did you did you suit up a school? That's what I want to know. I mean, I didn't shoot up a school, <laughs> but but you know, if you're talking about if you're talking about public schools, you know, the the state has already aggressed. Yes, that that cor correct. Okay. Well, there you go. That's all we. That's all we need to say. I, I feel. I like. was involved in a bomb incident in my high school, but that's for that's another day. That's because you went to Red Bank for God's sakes. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Christian McCullough writes, "Dear Alan and Sherry, do you like puppies? Sherry, do you like puppies? Not so much. Huh. I mean, they're cute to look at. I don't want one. Let's just put it that way." I okay. I was I was gonna make fun of you and say that you were you were a puppy hater, a puppy denier, if you will. But um, 
but I but I won't because I actually do agree with you that it's one thing to like puppies; it's another thing to actually have puppies. Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't want to have puppies. Yeah, I'm a good I, puppy. I personal. I feel I'm I'm for common sense puppy control. <laughs> Planned puppyhood. It got really quiet on the show, and I look over <laughs> the monitor, and I see things are just happening. <laughs> things are just happening on the show without my knowledge or consent. I thought there you people go. were into voluntarious stuff. I mean, mostly. Goddamn dingers. <laughs> Andrew Avery writes, Dear Alan and Sherry, this is getting way out of hand. Uh, should you shout out to the people who don't know what the opposite of N is? Um, and so I'm going to give Andrew a pass this week. I know he had a really busy week. And yeah. He only, he only submitted the pun like right at the last possible right. second. Which is not and like him. Not only is that not like him, that's not even a pun. I'm pretty sure right. that's just a typo. <laughs> so Andrew. Um, Fare thee well. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll expect. I feel like he should give us two next week. Yeah. Oh, oh, I bet he will. He can do it. Okay. Come on, Andrew. Right. We're counting on you. All right. Uh, Michael Clark writes, Dear Alan and Sherry, you're hosting a party, and a close friend dares you to invite one high-ranking or very popular Democrat. Who do you invite and why? Sherry, what oh. popular Democrat are you inviting to your party? Um, Bill Clinton. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he knows how to party. <laughs> I mean, Hunter Biden knows how to party. Yeah, I thought oh, I you, could... you talked about that last week. But well, Bill is Clinton. Is he high ranking, though? He's just, he's somebody's he's son. Or, he's, it says or very popular. In oh, okay. Question. Okay, well, that he would do. Maybe if you listened to Mike Moore, you wouldn't have so many problems. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm actually a little bit off put that your answer was Bill Clinton. I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't have time to think about it, Alan. All right. Um, I mean, it's the answer is. The answer's got to be AOC. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, and boobage. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> MD Culp writes, Dear Alan and Sherry, do you watch sci-fi? If so, have you ever watched The Expanse? I, I am, I'm on the last season of The Expanse right now. Sherry, I know you've seen The Expanse. Did you like it? Oh, it's so good. I, I love it, actually. I think it's, it's very well done, and I've really enjoyed the story. So, yeah, I love it. So I'm I'm finishing the final season of The Expanse right now, and I think my favorite thing so far, not 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 even just the character Amos, but specifically about him talking about people getting caught up in the churn. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I've actually used that vernacular in conversation now several mm -hmm. times when people have said, oh, so, did you hear what happened to so and so? My my answer, they just got caught up in the churn. Yeah, it's it happens. Such a great written character. I mean, it really yeah. is. I can talk right. like what's her face the rest of the show. You talk, you're talking about uh, Avasarala? Yeah, Avasarala, yeah. Yeah. Talk about a character. Like, I, I really appreciate an actress thriving in Hollywood, even though she's smoked 8 million cigars. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just need one more. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rachel Watson Kelly writes, uh, dear Alan and Sherry, what are you planting in your fall garden? 
Uh, uh, Sherry, what are you planting in your fall garden? Uh, bodies. <laughs> uh, hashtag FBI. <laughs> um, what whatever I need to plant in my fall garden to live, I'm sure Suzanne's way ahead of. Right. That, exactly. She's our plan A and B. But do they even have fall out there? It seems like we're yeah. in summer and then the and then there's snow out they there. They have they have yes, that's it. Summer and snow. You know what they do have out there where Suzanne is is dingers. <laughs> they do have dingers. They do have dingers. Uh and the last question this week, uh dear Al Mary Lynn Willemowski, Liberty Late Night writes, Dear Alan and Sherry, would you rather live downtown in a big city or out in the countryside, but everything is at least thirty minutes away? Uh... Go on. I, I okay. So I, I I am torn on this one because sometimes I fantasize about like having a loft downtown because mm -hmm. you know I'm I'm single lady on the town now. Um, but uh, mostly I think I would want to live out. I like land. I like privacy. You know all that stuff. So I always I already have to drive thirty minutes <clears throat> to get a lot of things. So might as well be out in the country. Yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely things that are attractive about being in town if you could, yeah. like, afford a life of luxury as opposed mm -hmm. to just being in the projects or whatever. <laughs> being but, poor downtown sucks. <laughs> but I feel like both the more realistic option and and I really enjoy peace and quiet because mm -hmm. I, I work from home and we record and do things, so I don't want a bunch of sirens and stuff, you know, outside. So I think I would probably pick um, being out in the country. Yeah. Uh, plus, if you're in the city, there's a bunch of dingers. So right, right, and you can explode yeah. things out in the country and shoot your guns. I mean, I'm only <laughs> they in... shoot their guns in the city though. So. Right, right. I'm I'm just yeah. out right out in the county, you know, inside the county, and people shoot their guns out here in the, my neighborhood. Like it's yeah, it's good times. Yeah, it is good times. Literally, as we're getting ready to go to commercial break, I'm sitting here wondering how I can fit Dinger into the title of this week's episode. <laughs> Ding dong, Dinger dongers. Yeah, I don't know. That's terrible. Good, good effort, Sherry. <laughs> Thanks so much. Guys, we're going to be back with tonight's guest right after this break. Don't go away. Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at info at alanmosley.tv. Guys, welcome back to the show. Our guests tonight are representatives of the brand new voluntarist charitable organization known as Voluntary Virtue that hopes to help create a world where charitable actions are done for those in need solely through the motivations of virtuous individuals. Their mission is to promote charitable actions free from coercion, both through direct contributions and inspiring local volunteer efforts. You can find more at their website, voluntaryvirtue.org. Ladies and gentlemen, the CEO and CMO of Voluntary Virtue, it's Christian Moore and our very own Sherry Voluntary. I'm not going to ask Sherry hey. how she's doing. We already did that. Christian, how are you doing? I am, uh, I'm doing fantastic. You know, it, it's been a great 
last couple of weeks and voluntary virtue is a huge part of that. So I'm super excited to be back. We haven't spoken in a long time since last time you were on my show. So it's, it's great to hear from, from you guys and be on this program. So I'm happy to be here. I, I just want to say before we get into the weeds of voluntary virtue that I was in fact on Christian's show and my appearance on the show was something like three or four hours long. I mean, we, yeah. we went in, we went into a bunch of stuff. So bravo, sir. Well done. I've been on Christian's show too, and it was like six or seven hours. So, just yeah. so you well, know. Well, that's because you're full of hot air. But anyway, Christian, tell us about voluntary virtue. Right. So, voluntary virtue is kind of like you said in your introduction, which was very good. Thank you for that. Uh, is a nonprofit organization based around helping those in need virtuously. Uh, but it's a little bit more than a standard charity, it's about promoting principled involvement in charitable giving. And so a lot of people would say, well, aren't most private charities kind of involved in that act of, of charitable giving? Well, mm -hmm. that, it gets a little complicated whenever you start thinking about the number of private charities that take money from the state, and you start considering the fact that a lot of these charities don't do as much as they can to promote continued volunteer work, kind of a self-perpetuating system in communities where they don't have to always be there to help. Uh, and that's something that we really aim to try to to get right at the heart at with this program, with this company. And uh, it's it's something that I spend a lot of time thinking about and 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 doing my best to make sure it comes to a reality. Uh, now, speaking of that, i've I've seen some stuff on the website, and I'm going to turn it over to Sherry here really quick. there's There's an article right on the website that talks about, uh, for for the layman, that everyone knows the the word volunteer. I mean, we're of course Sherry and I are from the volunteer state, so everyone knows what a volunteer is. And and obviously, the word voluntarist or voluntarist obviously has its roots in volunteer or voluntary. So ex explain for the layman who's this is the first episode they've ever seen. What is a voluntarist, and how does that apply to this organization? Okay, so a voluntarist is someone who believes that all human interaction should be based on consent of the individuals involved. Uh, and that is the basis of our philosophy is that you own yourself completely and that you should have all the say over what goes on with your body and your property as well. Um, so the way that that comes involved into our, our charity, Voluntary Virtue, is that uh, as Christian was saying before, many charities may accept, you know, state monies or uh, help people that are not that are sort of aggressors on people and their their, um, you know, rights. So we want to definitely ethically source, uh, as we called it, um, our giving, so that it's only coming from people who choose because of their goodwill towards others and their desire to help people to give in that way. And we also want to not just drop money on people or drop a moment of help, but we really want to do things that get people back on the path of self-reliance, because that's really where we would like, you know, to be ourselves and to, to have people uh, shoot for that goal is a goal of self-reliance, being um, a productive person who provides value to their family, to themselves and their community. So that's really what we are, the, and the angle of voluntarism, how that comes into play. 
Now that's that's an interesting point because I know a lot of people when they when they criticize something like government welfare beyond the fact that it's it's technically coercion in the sense of they're they're using tax dollars which is stolen money, but not just that, but it's the principle of the matter that welfare makes people dependent on the state rather than empowering them to do better for themselves. So I'm, I'll turn this back over to Christian. What are, what are some ideas that you guys might have in mind to do that, to really expound on the empowering people to help themselves as opposed to being reliant on handouts? Well, this is actually a great opportunity to talk about one of the programs that we've developed along with the company called the Tactical Charity Society. And this is a group that we formed uh, to really help mobilize people to get involved on their own terms, right? Because the dream at the end of the day is that if voluntary virtue was to disappear from the face of the earth, people would still be continuing its mission, right? If the state came in, whacked us up over the side of the head and said, you can't do this anymore or whatever, we get coerced out of it or something like that. We want to leave behind uh, ways for people to to be involved communally in this giving. And, and a great example of that could just be uh, checking up on your neighbors and family. If you know someone's going through a hard time, reach out to them. Uh, if somebody's having trouble that you know, let's say they lost their job because the government shut down their business during you know, the craziness of the last year and a half, and they need some help to get by, and their choices are, to either lose their home or go to the government, offer to help them. Um, get, you you have an opportunity to make a massive impact in somebody's life virtuously and to help. Uh, you're essentially, think about it this way, you're basically replacing what the state justifies itself for existing for. Uh, whenever you go in and, and you help these people, you're basically saying, we don't need you, we've got each other. And to me, that's a really powerful message and something that I want to help get out there as much as we can. Now, that that kind of brings up an interesting point. I'll, I'll turn this over to both of you guys to, to kind of bat this around. Um, with a lot of organizations and, and you know, I, I know it's been said many times and I don't have the data right offhand that, you know, Americans in particular are, are if if not among, they're the most charitable people in the world. You look at the millions and millions of dollars that Americans give uh, charity every single year, despite the fact that they're having so much of their money taken out of their paychecks through through taxes, property taxes, sales taxes, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And yet people still figure out a way to dig deep to help out each other. But one of the concerns a lot of people rightly have with a lot of charities is, well, what's my money going towards? And and you see that people bat around that idea of the law of, well, they really only have to dedicate 10%. You know, the Red Cross, for instance, they really only have to give 10%. The other 90% can go to administrative costs. So how is voluntary virtue different in that regard? Well, the first thing is, and sorry, Sherry, I want to take this one because no, this is right really in. important to me. <laughs> sure. Um, we are 100% financially transparent. Every single expense, transaction, donation, everything, donations won't have direct names given to the public, obviously, but you will know exactly how much money we made every month, how much we spent on what, as if we were itemizing for a, you know, a coercion form or something like that. Um, we, we want this to be as, we want to build trust with people because I totally understand where someone's coming from when they look at charities and they say, these things get bloated and they get inefficient and they're almost just as bad as government as far as the money going to help people. 
And, and I resonate with that a lot. It's something that I thought about a lot whenever I was just, you know, before I even got involved in charity work. And so that's one of the ways that we're going to go about addressing that. But the other way that we're going to, to do our best is through this communal involvement, because by getting other members of the community engaged, not with their money, but with their time, um, with their manpower, we can we can get rid of a lot of that uh, bloated overhead money transferring here and there and making sure that that people get the help they need as efficiently and effectively as possible. That's essentially our number two goal after being principled and, and ethical people. So, <laughs> yeah, I, just to add to what what Christian was saying, you know, everybody knows that the government is inefficient. Even people who want government programs will will acknowledge that most of that money doesn't go to the programs that it's it's intended to go to. So I think everybody can sort of get that sense and and really wants to help people uh, in a way that goes directly to them and makes is impactful because why bother if you're if you're not? And um, the other aspect of that that he mentioned, um community, that really is such an important part. And I think, one of the biggest things for me personally that I see through doing this is I I really believe and see, have seen throughout my life where government has has degraded communities. And a lot of people don't know their neighbors and they don't know how to help people who, who are right around the corner from them because they've been disempowered from doing that. Whereas, you know, the government, all the rhetoric talks about empowering people and helping people, but really it, it makes them reliant on the government rather than a community that wants, you know, if my neighbor is suffering and they're having a hard time, I want them to get better, do better, whatever it is. And I want to help them do that. And so I've seen where communities have really been destroyed by government, um, interventions, you know, like instead of in a, in a small case that anyone can understand, um, your neighbor's lawn is, is, you know, the yards, you know, too high and people will often call the authorities, the city on them or the County. And rather than just going next door and being neighborly and saying, Hey, do you need help for, for one and two, let's talk about this. You know, why is you letting your grass get longer and I'm getting rodents or something. So it's important to, to rebuild those connections. And that's really one of the things that I think we are trying to, to accomplish. At least I know for, for my part, that's really one of the things that I am and super excited about is developing a community of people who are principled who want to live those principles and help each other out and um, be really connected and tied into each other so that we know there's something we can do. Well, really quick before we take our commercial break here, um, I'll let you both of you guys take a crack at it. Make the sales pitch uh, of voluntary virtue to the layman who really is, is not politically active, has never heard of voluntarists before, doesn't identify as libertarian or Republican or Democrat or anything in between. What's the pitch of this organization to someone who's politically agnostic that's hearing some of these ideas for the first time? Sure, I can go ahead and, and, and give a crack at it. Um, there are still, no matter how many charities there seem to be, no matter how much the government gets involved, there are still so many people that need help. And we are one of the most charitable and giving societies on earth. I accept that 100%. But it doesn't it doesn't take a, a scientist or a data analyst or anything like that to see that there are still people out there that need our help. And the communal bonds that we've lost over the last couple of decades 
has contributed to this greatly. So Voluntary Virtue is going to be focusing on both of those things directly and doing our best to make the biggest impact we can in as many people's lives as possible. That's great. <laughs> now, uh, if, if you had another thought, Sherry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just, I, I, I think what Pat, uh, what Christian said was, was excellent. Um, I would just add to that, that, you know, as a charity, not only do we respect the people that we are trying and aiming to help, but we also respect you and uh, the giver. Then that's because we want to be transparent. We want you to, to trust us. We want to earn that credibility with you. And uh, that's really, it, it is really important to us. And we've, we've talked a lot about it in our meetings because we don't, we, we respect that people don't have to give us anything or help anyone that they don't choose to. And so for, for people to do that through us, we feel is a, a great um, responsibility and, and we intend to respect that and, and earn that credibility. Uh, on that note, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but we're going to be back with more from Christian and Sherry of Voluntary Virtue right after this break. Don't go away. If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Alan Mosley. I swear to God, it gets later every single week, Sherry. Eventually, this is what's going to happen. Eventually, we're going to get to a point where, like, when I'm saying, guys, we'll be right back after this last break, you'll just, <laughs> people, what the hell just happened? Guys, welcome back to the show. We're joined this week by Christian Moore, CEO, and Sherry Voluntary, CMO of Voluntary Virtue. Uh, guys, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you here just for a moment. Now, we talked a little bit about the transparency of your organization. I think that's that's very admirable. But at the same time, an organization has to prosper. It, you, you guys have to get donations. You have to have staying power. People are going to be relying on you. But you talk so much about empowering communities and people to help themselves. So devil's advocate question, uh, what about people who are concerned about the longevity of your organization if you're helping people help themselves as opposed to having help for yourselves? Yes, please. I mean, that would be amazing if we uh, worked so well and did so much that people didn't need us anymore. Uh, that'd be a wonderful world to live in. Um, and so I think for us, it's not about having an organization and saying, oh, we we run this thing and we do this thing. It's it's really to help people and it's really to give people ways to help other people uh, and build community. So um, for us, if that's accomplished and our mission is done, then see you later. We'll go off to to other things. Um, that's that's the the point. We want to to get people back to recognizing that you don't need permission to help people, right? You you are an you have your own agency, and you get to see the need in your community and go out there, go forth and and do things to. Um, help the help people that need help. So um, I think that'd be great if we eventually didn't have to do our job. Well, voluntary virtue really comes off to me so far is a very grassroots kind of an organization kind of, kind of building from the, from the bottom up. And that's great. 
But with that said, are there are there any really like large scale projects or or long term type outlooks or or major events or annual type get togethers that you guys already have planned? Well, that's actually fantastic because I wanted to talk about our first event that we've got coming up, which is called the Celebration of Freedom and Bovinity Festival, Ooh. or if you'd like, we could call it Moofest. Moofest. I yeah. I would like yeah. Moofest. Go on. <laughs> so. Essentially, what this is, is this is us getting out there and, and showing that we mean business, right? So our board president, Patrick Smith, uh, awesome voluntarious individual who everybody should become acquainted with uh, if they aren't already, uh, ran this event last year on his birthday. And we, as Voluntary Virtue, saw an opportunity to do it once again, but with the power of the nonprofit behind it. And what we're going to be doing a lot with this is the primary goal, obviously, is to feed the homeless, which to a lot of people may seem like not the most direct usage, right? Like there's plenty of other people in cases that could perhaps use more money more directly, which we will certainly be looking into in the future. But what this gives us the opportunity to do is start first with the community. By having a, a sort of event like this, we can start from the very beginning and show that we mean business when we want to help get other people involved in charitable action. So we're going to have steaks, bacon-wrapped filet mignons, all the fixings, grills running, and we're going to be feeding every single hungry mouth on the south side of Dallas that needs it, and uh, we're going to get as many people involved as we can in doing so. Christian, where are you from originally? I am from Houston, Texas. You're from Houston, Texas. Now, that's very interesting to me because me and Sherry are from the actual South, not Texas. And and <laughs> I, I have never heard anyone <laughs> enunciate the letter G on fixings. It's fixings, son. Yeah, fixings. <laughs> As you were talking, Sorry. I looked over at Sherry and she was like, what the hell did he just say to me? I, I guess I'm just a city slicker these days. I've been in uh, I've been He's in got some of that book learning. He, yeah. He's all uppity now. <laughs> Well, I haven't had enough PBRs for my southern accent to come out. I'm sorry. Rising above his raisin. <laughs> well, you know what? That actually that actually gives me an interesting segue to another question I had for you guys, which is uh, how does Voluntary Virtue go about deciding? Because, I mean, no, no matter what the organization is, big or small, you know, there's finite resources and you're trying to decide where best to apply those resources. How does Voluntary Virtue go about deciding where they're going to uh, direct their funds and direct their manpower. We well, go ahead, Chris. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, well, sure. I, I I can take it once again. I'll steal the microphone from Sherry Voluntary. Um, we have created a system, a committee specifically, directly underneath the board, which is called the Awards Committee, and this is a committee of individuals who have been deemed by the board to be ethical and voluntary-minded people who can go through each and every case that comes before voluntary virtue and make a determination on whether or not that is the most effective use of our resources. And I think in doing this, by adding that layer between the board and who, who are mainly focused on operations and continual running and people who are who are kind of a, a step away from that, who can help to make 
decisions on who, who needs help the most. We give ourselves this kind of uh, layer of objectivity that's really hard whenever you're directly involved in everything. And that's another place that I think a lot of other smaller charities, uh, it's a resource that they don't have. But thanks to the people that comprise Voluntary Virtue and the connections that we have, there are so many wonderful, amazing, ethical people out there who want to be a part of helping in this process that I have absolutely zero doubt that every decision that committee makes will be the best possible decision one could possibly make. So who watches the watchers? Ultimately, that's the board, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, so at the end of the day, you know, corporate structure, the board is above the committee. So if for whatever reason the committee says we need to – uh, I don't know, buy 10,000 boxes of crayons for Marines or something, we can step in and say, this is probably not a good use of voluntary virtue funds, so we're not going to do that. Um, but at the same time, in part of the selection process for these people, um, they wouldn't be there if we didn't already have a lot of trust in them and if they haven't already proven themselves to be an ethical person in in some manner. So. I, it's not something I have to really worry about, but at the same time, the board is always there. You will always have Christian Moore and, and you always have Patrick Smith and our other board members to sit, to be there as, as in the way of all of that. Yeah. And I think too, to what you were saying before, um, that's one of the reasons that transparency is so important to us is because we want you to be the watchers as well. I mean, if you're donating your funds, your hard-earned money or time or talents to us, then we want you to feel and be able to see that that is going to the places we say it's going to go to and do the things that we say we're going to do with it. Um, so that's one of the the benefits of being very transparent is that we people can see that and see that, oh, okay, they said they were going to do this and that's where the money went. Um, so that's that's something we really want. And and also when, when we started this, um, we definitely, like, like Christian said, ethical people involved, but also we want to make sure that the help is going to people who also are trying to live an ethical lifestyle. So state agents need not apply. Like that's something <laughs> that we're passionate about. The scope of our charity is more directly towards people who choose to live in a peaceful way with their communities, their neighbors. Um, and so that's just, you know, every, every organization has to have a scope because like you said, the resources are finite and you can't just help everywhere and everyone that that's, you know, that's too big of a, a proposition for us. So we are directing it more towards the um, community of people who uh, know what the non-aggression principle is and want to live it or, or do that without actually knowing, maybe they don't know what the non-aggression principle is, but they're, they're peaceful people. That is who we aim to help and to, um, really encourage and buttress in, in what we do. Now, Sherry, you're the chief marketing officer of Voluntary Virtue. So what's the organization doing to, uh, do a little outreach and drum up some, drum up some good buzz? Right. So right now we have our, our two Facebook pages, which are the Voluntary Virtue kind of corporate, nice, pretty side, you know, respectable page. And then we have our Tactical Charity Society Facebook page, uh, which I think Christian mentioned earlier, which is really the fun part and the part that I think we all enjoy, um, the memes. You know, it's all the memes <laughs> and and getting to know people and having fun together and sort of our uh, 
farm team, if you will, for the boots on the ground uh, activism that we intend to and hope to perform. Um, that's where we've really started and are focusing at this point. Um, there will be blog posts in the future uh, and other social media will will branch out. We have a Twitter page. It's not that active yet. Um, so those are those are the things that we have at the moment. Um, hopefully some some advertising in the future, but that's really the community part of it is where, like you said, it's grassroots. We really want to draw from that and uh, move forward with the community behind us. Now, on that note of getting the community behind you, I'm gonna I'm gonna give both of you guys uh, one last really good sales pitch. To let's say you're talking to people that already you know they they have a budget. Let's say you're talking to a business. Let's let's say you're talking to other organizations that have annual budgets of giving to nonprofit organizations. I was a nonprofit VP. I know how that works. There's there's that calendar year. It rolls around. There's a budget <laughs> that's set aside for charitable giving, and you want to be on their doorsteps, right? When they're making those decisions. So how are you making the pitch to those types of entities specifically to say, you you have a budget of X, we want you to give some of that budget to voluntary virtue, as opposed to say some other initiative, the Red Cross, Doctors Without Borders, what have you. And, and by the way, I'm not talking down to any other organizations, but how are you selling them to give you a piece of that pie? If you uh, want to donate money to an organization that exists solely to be replaced by its own works, then donate to Voluntary Virtue. If you want to donate to an organization that one day hopes that it has done its job so well that it no longer has to continue doing charity because everybody else is already doing it, donate to Voluntary Virtue. If you want to see a world where your neighbors want to come up to you and ask how you're doing, if you want to have a world where you can go up to your neighbors and it not be some kind of hostile interaction like we see so often these days to build those communities, build those bridges, then you should donate to Voluntary Virtue. To me, the financial transparency, the mission, the ethics, the people running it, you know, I'm a little biased being the CEO and whatnot, but looking from the outside, I, I couldn't find a better one if I wanted to. On that note... I'll ask you this. Where can people go to support Voluntary Virtue, sign up to be a volunteer, sign up to give? I know, and, and by the way, not just give of their money, but maybe give of their, their time and their talents, like Sherry was talking about earlier. Where can go people go to learn more about Voluntary Virtue? First off, you can go find us over at www.voluntaryvirtue.org. But like Sherry was saying earlier, please go check out the Facebook pages, especially the Tactical Charity Society. That's where that's where we're going to be pulling a lot from the grassroots stuff. So if you want to be able to be one of the people who breaks ground on this project in your own community, TCS is where you need to be. Because when that trumpet blows and we're looking for people to help, that's going to be the first pool that has that we're going to be accessing from. So and come come over if you want to donate by all means there's plenty of links on the page whatever you feel is appropriate uh, that we have, have earned through this pitch uh, and go check out the facebook pages and stay involved and, and can i just add to that that's a great great pitch there christian um that even if you if you can't give anything right now financially or any of your time cuz i know people are are struggling and and things are you know not always in the greatest spot just liking 
commenting, sharing our content, uh, involving yourself in the community, um, those things not only will benefit you as far as getting involved in the community and getting to know people, but they really do help us get in that Facebook algorithm and place higher. It's a weird thing. We all know we've all dealt with the algorithm and and the stuff that the games that they play with with Facebook algorithm. So just just doing those kinds of things, interacting with people, talking on the posts, liking them, sharing them. Those are such a a big plus for us. And um, we really appreciate just, you know, saying anything in there (laughs) in in the comment of a post really helps it. It really does. Guys, I'm going to get you out of here on this one. Sherry, shut up. (laughs) Christian, (laughs) is a grilled cheese a melt? Um, Hmm, That's a tough one. I'm going to say no, because I think melts have to have other stuff on them. However, I'm open to the alternative. Can you believe it, Sherry? Christian is a real libertarian. Christian, that is correct. A grilled cheese is not a melt, and it is not a melt because it does not have other ingredients. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. Everybody go check out Voluntary Virtue. It's voluntaryvirtue.org, and we will be right back to wrap up the show right after this break. Tonight's show was sponsored by the Counter-Narrative Report. The CNR is all about bringing you a rational look at the supposed official narratives being peddled by big tech and the corporate press. Cut through the propaganda and enjoy a safe haven for the free expression of ideas, as well as joining a free interactive online forum by visiting the Counter-Narrative Report at www.the-cnr.com. That's www.the-cnr.com. Like our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash TV. You can follow me on Twitter. Twitter.com at TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash TV. Also, don't forget, don't just complain about your free speech being eroded. Go support a free speech platform. It's odyssey.com. We're on odyssey.com. Just search It's Too Late with Alan Mosley or at Alan Mosley TV. Also, if you're more of a listener than a watcher, you can find us on your favorite podcasting platform of choice thanks to Anchor FM. It's anchor.fm slash Alan Mosley TV. Sherry, you got a final thought? Uh, Don't bother dingers. If you don't bother the dingers, the dingers won't bother you. Correct. Correct. Boy, I tell you, right now, Christian is saying I have to distance myself from this appearance. <laughs> I'm going to get as fired. hard and fast as I possibly can. Guys, thank you so much for watching another episode of It's Too Late, and we will see you next week.